thank you that we can ask you to speak to us, Lord. Thank you to we can ask you, Lord, to lead us, Lord, into your truth and your ways, Lord. In your perfect ways. Lord, thank you that we can find confidence in your love, in your presence, that you are good and there's no darkness in you at all. Your ways are perfect. Your love endures. It overcomes. It sacrifices life. And Lord, so we come to you this morning as our Father. We surrender. We surrender our ways, our thoughts, our emotions. Lord, we choose to put our faith and trust in you and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will come and speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, The first service was almost empty. The title of my sermon is just one point. No. <laughs> no, but I, I, I trust you had a good evening. Um, I, I want to I speak about a joy that is not dependent on the Springboks winning. But something far greater. Um, last week, uh, we started to explore a... um, the concept of God's Word that says that we can have fullness of joy. And um, this morning's offering is so powerful, also speaks about joy in the different places and and different ways we can find joy. Last week we started to look at the, the Apostle John who wrote a letter to new Christians with this powerful statement in verse 4. 1 John 1 verse 4, and these things I write to you that your joy may be full. And so we started to explore this amazing statement. It, it, it draws us to read the rest of the letter, you know, that your joy may be full. Who of you want fullness of joy? And, and so jo- John says, I write these things so that you may have fullness of joy. And we started to... Um, explore what John was writing about, and the context was that through the sacrifice of Christ, we can have fellowship with God. And in that fellowship with God, we can have fullness of joy. And so the fullness of joy is found in our fellowship with God because of Christ's sacrifice for us, that we have been forgiven, redeemed, cleansed, and that we are able to come into God's presence and have fellowship with Him. And from that place of fellowship, we can have fullness of joy. Um, Today, I want to look at the same statement made by Jesus Himself. And and I want us to explore another aspect of the fullness of joy. Last week, it was the joy of our salvation and relationship with Him, fellowship with Him, co-participation with Him. This morning, I want to explore Jesus' own words. We read of it in um, John 15, verse 11. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Again, what, what, what a powerful statement. I've spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so I want us to explore what Jesus was talking about. What, what is this joy that, that He had, and, and what is this fullness of joy that we can have with Him by 
listening to what He has said to us this morning. Again, the purpose of Jesus' statement was to lead us to fullness of joy. And, and, and it's so powerful, you know, I was just meditating upon it. You know, John said, these things I've written to you. And Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you. And, and, and we have it today in the Word of God. And it's so powerful when, when the Spirit of God takes the Logos, the written Word, and makes it alive in us. And, and so these things become alive because of the Spirit of God in us. And we can have these things given, promised, written to us, so that we may too have this fullness of joy. It seems, if you read the Bible, that joy is meant to be a prominent fruit of our relationship with God. The closer we are to God, the more this fruit of joy will become evident in us. And so this morning, I, I trust that we will all grow closer to God and that the joy of the Lord may truly be our strength. Jesus had perfect joy. He said, I've spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy will be full. Jesus had perfect joy in his life. That doesn't mean there was never a time that Jesus was sorrowful or disappointed or alone. Jesus at times were crying. And so that as was shared this morning, not to confuse joy with happiness. Joy leads to happiness also, but Joy is something deeper than just an emotion. Jesus had joy, and yet there was times that he was sorrowful. Yet there was times that he cried. There was times that he felt alone. But there was a joy in him that was greater than his emotions that led him to overcome his circumstances and emotions. And so this morning, we, we want to explore together what is this joy that Jesus was speaking about, this invitation that he made that we can have his joy and our joy can be full and I want us to read it in the context because Jesus spoke these words in the context of a teaching, a parable, a well-known parable, given to us that our joy may be full. Just like John had an introduction of the gospel, saying that in the gospel, in our salvation, there is fullness of joy. And so I want us to look at Jesus' words this morning. Someone once called the kingdom of God the upside-down kingdom. Its principles are so opposite to the world. It, it, it doesn't seem to make sense with man's wisdom and logic. It, it needs to be spiritually discerned, and, and yet God freely gives to whosoever asks. But the kingdom is truly upside-down, the kingdom of God in this world. Statements like, the last will be first. Or if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you need to be the servant of all. That humility is, is the greatest thing in the kingdom. That you need to lose your life to, to gain your life. It is so upside down in this world. It is so foreign to our natural understanding or what we predominantly hear we often have to pause and consider the words, the meaning of the words, and the one who said it before we can accept it. And often when I read the word, it's, it's not 
that my understanding leads me to accept these things. It is the one who said it that leads me to accept these things. It's often not my understanding, but, but my faith and acknowledgement that Jesus is the Son of God. God Himself. And only He has the words of eternal life. And so this morning again, I, I want us to prepare our hearts not to hear from me, but to hear from the Lord. What is Jesus saying will lead to fullness of joy? In the context of Jesus' statement, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may, may be full was the parable of, of the branches abiding in the vine. It's a very well-known parable. So I would like us to start there to help us understand what Jesus was saying and, and how to get this fullness of joy. We read here from, from verse 1. I am the true wine, and my Father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bear much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. What a powerful parable. You know, after hearing these words, Jesus' teaching, we, we are faced with a clear encouragement and also a warning. On the one hand, that, that God expects us to bear fruit and that as we abide in Him, this fruit will come out naturally and God will be glorified by it. On the other hand, that if we do not bear fruit, we will be cast out and burned in the fire. Another puzzling concept is that we cannot bear this fruit unless we abide in Him. We cannot bear this fruit from ourselves. We, we must abide in Christ to do so. So the question everyone should ask is, what is this fruit and, and how do we abide in it? You know, Pastor Vanner shared last Sunday about two people working for the same employer. One a Christian and one an unbeliever their fruit should be clearly different. Because the one is a believer, a follower of Christ, and the other one not. What is this fruit that glorifies the Father and make us be known as disciples of Jesus? Because this is an important question. And, and, and secondly, how do we abide in Him that this fruit may be seen in us. 
if this is all that Jesus said, we would be completely in the dark as to what to do or, or even fearful for not knowing what and how to bear this fruit. But Jesus had a way of teaching that often leaves us with the cliffhanger to force us to stop and to think, to consider His words carefully before we make a response. So let us consider for a moment the words of Jesus and ask ourselves this question, what is this fruit and how do we abide in Him? And I want us just to close our eyes for a moment and I want us to meditate on this. I want you just by yourself to think, what is this fruit that Jesus is speaking about that glorifies the Father and makes it evident that we are His disciples? And, and how do we abide in Him? Just take a moment. Just think about that. Fortunately, Jesus continued to give us more insight into what He meant, the meaning of His teaching. So, so let us together listen to the concluding remarks and consider further what this means. Verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So let us unpack these concluding remarks of Jesus in the context of the parable to understand the source of this great joy that Jesus is promising us. Verse 9, he says, As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. Here we see again this concept of abiding. The, the branch cannot be fruit unless it abides in the vine. And he says, Neither can you unless you abide in me. Abide in my love just as I abide in my Father's love. If we abide in God's love, we will naturally bear fruit. And that fruit will bear glory to God. But how do we abide in God? How do we abide in His love? Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You know, abiding in Christ is not a mystical, spiritual, difficult thing to reach and understand. God makes it very plain and simple for us that abiding in Him, abiding in His love, is keeping His commandments. The way we abide in God's love is to keep His commandments. It is the ultimate expression of love for God. The ultimate expression of love for God is obedience. Jesus loved the Father. And therefore, Jesus was obedient to the Father. He was obedient to the point of death on a cross. 
Not because of his own will, but the Father's will. And because of the love of the Father, the, the obedience to the will and the ways of God was not burdensome to him because God loved him. And the expression of love towards God was obedience. Because the commandments of God is an expression of the character and the nature of God. And because Jesus loved the Father, He wanted to do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Because He drew Him closer to God. And so, for us, to abide in God is to obey His commandments. Jesus, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and was obedient to the Father. There's something powerful in this love for God that expresses itself in obedience. In 1 John 2, we read, By this we know that we know Him, that we understand, that we have intimacy, that we have fellowship with Him. By this we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. By this, we know that we know Him. By this, we know that we are in Him. His commandments is a reflection of who He is. And if we truly love Him and know Him, we would want to become more like Him. The fruit of intimacy with God, knowing Him, is obedience. It's imitating Him. That's why John 14, verse 21, Jesus says so, something so powerful. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is He who loves me. And He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love Him and manifest myself to Him. Who of you want to grow closer to God? Who of you want God to manifest Himself more to you? The way is through obedience. There's something powerful about expressing our intimacy with God through obedience. There is a secret joy in obedience. It not only draws us closer to Him, but we are changed in the process of submitting to Him and doing His will. It's the Spirit of God in us that when we choose to be obedient, not to lie, not to steal, when, when the world and our flesh pulls us to one direction and we decide not to because of our love for God, I want to do what is pleasing to you. His Spirit enables me to say no to temptation and yes to God and in the process changes me to become more like Him. And I become a man that is truthful, have integrity, is compassionate, caring, because of obeying God who is truthful, compassionate, and caring. And the Spirit changes me. There's, there's a secret joy in obedience. When, when Jesus, the Son of God, fully God, chose to obey the Father and become one of us, in the form of a servant, came to us, lived amongst us, was tempted in every way just like us, 
and went to a man, John the Baptist, to be baptized. And when John saw it was Jesus, he says, no, I know who you are. You are God. You should baptize me. And Jesus' response was, but to fulfill all righteousness, I must be baptized by a man. To be obedient to the will of my Father, you, a man, must baptize me. And Jesus humbled himself and was baptized by a man. And heaven opened up and God manifested himself through the Spirit coming upon Jesus. And then the voice of heaven, of the Father, spoke, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. There, there is an intimacy in obedience. And with that intimacy, great joy. Obedience is not religious. It's love. And if you love God, His commandments are not burdensome. Because it's a reflection of who He is. And with great joy, when I submit to Him, He changes me. He manifests, he manifests Himself more to us. And what joy is there in that? When we become more like Him, God is glorified. The ultimate test of obedience is what is done in secret when no one sees but God alone. The other test of obedience is when it costs us something. It's the two tests of obedience. What is done in secret and the cost for it. At times, to be obedient to God will cost us something because the world will reject us. The world will persecute us. We'll have to deny ourselves and our own flesh and our own desires because of our love for God. We choose to say no and yes to God and and, and that's where obedience is tested when it's done in secret and when there is a cost involved. Jesus, for the joy set before Him, embraced death. Death on a cross. God often tests our love for Him through obedience. Abram, the father of our faith, his love was tested. He said, I want you to take your son, your only son. And I want you to sacrifice him for me. And the very next morning, Abram took his son, his only son. Traveled three days to a mountain top. And at the point of killing his son, God stopped him. He said, now that I know. Now I know you love me. Jesus proved his love for the Father by dying on a cross. He was in the garden. He said, my Father, my Father, if this is at all possible, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, Father, not my will be done yours.
Jesus proved His love for the Father for dying for us. Jesus proved His love for us for dying for us. There's a secret joy in obedience. God manifests Himself to us more and more through obedience. His Spirit in us, revealing more of Himself to us. So in conclusion, as the band comes up, it is a great joy to know that we belong to Him through our salvation in Christ Jesus. We spoke about it last time. This great joy of knowing we have been forgiven. A price has been paid for our lives, and we belong to Him. A great joy when His Spirit is poured in us that testifies with our spirit that we are children of God and belong to God. That we are His. A great joy to know that there is an inheritance waiting for us because of this love that God has for us. We are called to know Him and to live for Him and reflecting Him in this world. That He may be glorified through our obedience. It leads to intimacy with God. Jesus' words, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So if you want fullness of joy, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. The one who saved you, but also the one you obey. There are so many Christians. They follow Jesus as their Savior, but not as their Lord. They believe they are saved, but, the, but they don't submit themselves to His commands, His ways of life, the things that pleases Him. It's when we embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord that there is fullness of joy. Yes, He came to save us, but whenever the Bible speaks of Jesus as our Savior, it starts with the Lord, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. There's something powerful in obedience to Jesus as God that leads to fullness of joy. If you want fullness of joy, follow Jesus, not just as your Savior, but follow Him as your Lord. Because obedience leads to intimacy. And intimacy to the fullness of joy. Jesus continues. I don't have it on the board. I'll read for us. <clears throat> These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things I've heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain 
that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. These things I've commanded you, that you love one another. It's another sermon. But what a privilege we have to know all things. The Father has given the Son that we can obey Him too. That we can abide in His love the way He abide in God's love. That we can obey Him the way He obeyed the Father. And that in that obedience we may experience an intimacy and a joy that surpasses all other things. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for saving us. Thank you that you are our Savior. You are merciful, compassionate, loving and caring. You are gracious, kind, gentle. You are patient, long-suffering. Quick to forgive whenever we repent. Quick to wash us clean again. And to pick us up. You are the one who saved us. Thank you for giving us your ways, your words, your commands. That we may know you more. Thank you for this promise that in obeying you, we may have no we may we may have more of you. Lord help us to love you not just with emotions. Help us to love us, to love you the way you want us to to obey you. It is your love language. It is the taste. But more than that, it leads us closer to you. And in that intimacy, there is fullness of joy. God, I pray that we will all grow more and more in our intimacy with you, in our love for you, through obedience. The joy of our salvation and our obedience to you. It leads to fullness of joy. God, I pray that for each and every person here today. I want to, take, I want to give you an opportunity just to take a moment and, and just reflect on the sermon, what stood out for you, and just in your own words, just to speak to the Lord. I want to give you a few moments. Just speak to Him.
Father, what a privilege it is to know you. There is great joy in knowing you. What a privilege to know your words, your ways. Oh, there is great joy in obeying them. In following you. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to God. This morning you have an opportunity while all the eyes are closed. If you want to surrender to Him, not just as the Savior, but as your Lord. I want to give you an opportunity so that you may know the fullness of joy of your salvation and intimacy with Him. That you may be sure that you know Him and that you're in Him. That you may be sure that your salvation is secure in Him. That when you stand before God, you do not need to fear, but with great joy, embrace the day when you see Him face to face, the lover of your soul. If you want to surrender your life to Him this morning, I want to give you an opportunity while all the eyes are closed just to raise your hand to say, God, here I am, Lord. I want, to, I want to give you my life. I want to surrender all to you. If that is you, just quickly raise your hand. Thank you for that hand. You can drop that. Is there anyone else? Father, I thank you for a miracle today. for and heart turning to you Lord thank you for this this mother coming to you and say Lord I want to give you my life not just as the one who saved me the one I follow the one I belong to Lord I pray Father Holy Spirit that you will come and manifest yourself to her Lord fill her life Lord that she may know that she belongs to you help her Lord teach her learn her Lord your ways, and to be obedient to you. Thank you for the joy that it will produce. Thank you that it will overflow in her family, Lord, in her friends, Lord. Everywhere she goes, she'll be known as a child of God. Lord, I pray that you will seal her with your love and your spirit. Grant her to be hungry and thirsty for you. Not to be satisfied with anything except you. And that she will become a tree planted by living waters, bearing fruit, giving shade, being a shelter and a testimony of you, that our life may glorify you in Jesus' name. May it be true of all of us, Lord. May it be true of all of us as we continue to grow in you, bear fruit and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. May God bless you. Um, we're going on a sabbatical, but we're still here on Sundays. Um, and you're more than welcome to talk to us. And if you need a prayer, we'll pray for you. If you need counsel, we might refer you. But we might still visit you. And it's okay. Um, we will be back in February as well. Um, so for November, December, January, um, we'll be around, but not so much involved. But we love you lots. Trust to see you soon again. Enjoy the festive season. We're going to enjoy it with you. Um, we might not be here December, but um, 
please love one another. It's the fulfillment of God's command. All His commands is summarized in this. Love God and love each other. It's not burdensome. It's an expression of love. Amen. May God bless you. Please join us with fellowship. I'm going to be here and others. If you need some prayer, love to pray with you. May God bless you. See you next Sunday.